Hello and welcome back. Stefan and I are super excited to share that If Oceans Could Speak is returning for a second season. Just to recap, we really believe that everybody who loves the sea has a story to share. In season one, we had some amazing conversations on the Arctic Ocean. Some were professional, some were deeply personal, but they always brought a deep passion for the sea, its environment and the people living there. Stefan, what did you take away from the first season? Most of all, it was the love for the sea that is shared by people from so many different backgrounds. There is something about the sea that really touches people, not just those who live close to the sea. One of our guests in the first season, Dr. Timon Sedinsky, said that we all live by the sea, no matter how far from the sea you live, because every activity we have, no matter where you are, you either affect the ocean or you depend on the ocean. I believe Timon's right. This is also a great summary of the takeaway from the first season of If Oceans Could Speak. We are all connected to the sea. In this season, we are leaving the Arctic and we're heading south to the Mediterranean Sea. I'm sure we all have ideas of the Mediterranean, from ancient history to modern tourism to the plight of refugees. The Mediterranean means so much to so many people. In this season, we get to hear from people for whom the Met is home. Scientists, experts from different fields, sailors, artists, activists, they all share their stories about this incredibly important and iconic sea. Yes, the Mediterranean, for me, it brings ideas of holidays and sun and just relaxing. So I am really excited about this season. And actually, we're going to try something a little bit different because we were inspired by the rich cultures and identities of the Mediterranean region. We thought it would be really great to capture this in our episodes. Plus, we really wanted to reach as many audiences as possible. So in this season, our episodes will be hosted in the different languages spoken around the Mediterranean. And it's not just that we want to reach more listeners. We also want to highlight a characteristic of the social role of the sea. that connects us more than it separates us. There's a lot to look forward to in this new season of If Oceans Could Speak. Now, of course, Stefan and I don't speak all of these languages, unfortunately. So to aid us in our quest, we have recruited some new moderators that are going to help us reach the different corners of the Mediterranean. Yes, we can say hello to them now. Francisco, Vera, Ana Maria and Pierre, welcome on board. Francisco Lopez Casejón will be hosting our Spanish episodes. Francisco is an oceanographer with more than 20 years of experience on oceanographic research for companies and for research institutions. He loves outreach activities related to the sea and is the founder of the Cartagena Oceanographic Research Institute, an NGO that's focused on the use of technology as a way to engage people in ocean exploration and ocean protection. Hello, Francisco. Tell us more about your mentoring and sea story. What inspired your love for the ocean? Thanks for inviting me. Hey, I have always lived in cities near the sea, Cartagena, Cadiz, Barcelona. So all my memories, in a way or in another, are linked to the Mediterranean Sea. But what really inspired my love for the ocean is the exploration. We used to think in the space when we talk about exploring frontiers, but the oceans remain nearly unexplored. Nowadays, thanks to the technology, our knowledge is growing day by day, and that's amazing, because only showing the wonderful of the ocean to the people, we will be able to involve them in its protection. Fantastic. And without telling us too much, what kind of perspectives are you going to be sharing in your episodes? Thanks to our guests, I will bring a perspective usually forgotten when we talk about the ocean, and it's the women perspective. What challenge must they face? What are the situations when we talk about marine jobs or oceanographic research? 
or what are we doing nowadays to visualize the hidden work done by a lot of women in oceanography? We will talk with Mari Carmen, director of the Spanish Oceanographic Institute in Malaga, and part of a really amazing project called Oceanicas. A lot of very interesting subjects came out during the interview, from her connection to the Mediterranean Sea, her career, and of course, about the Oceanicas project. Our next new moderator is Vera Noon. Vera Noon will be covering the Arabic-Lebanese episodes. Vera's from Lebanon. She's lived in seven countries throughout her life, learning many Mediterranean languages in the process. For over a decade, she served the waves of spatial planning, starting with architecture, urban design, and all the way to maritime spatial planning. She has a passion for the natural and cultural marine heritage of the Mediterranean Sea and aims to use her technical and artistic skills to help it flourish again. Vera, tell us a bit about your relationship with the sea. Do you have a favorite memory, favorite story, an experience from the Mediterranean Sea that you would like to share? Uh, thank you, Stefan, and thank you for having me. Well, in my case, unlike many of the persons who work in marine fields and our moderators, I was not born and raised by the sea. In fact, it's the complete opposite. I was born and raised in the middle of the desert in Saudi Arabia, and it wasn't until I was 16 that I met the sea. There were mainly two things that marked me and guided my career. First, it was my first snorkeling experience in an underwater cave in north of Lebanon. As you know, in the Mediterranean, we have plenty of vermithid reefs along our coast, and I was completely stunned and mesmerized by all the colorful forests that were below and the biodiversity. Another thing that influenced me was being exposed to all the archaeological heritage of our millennial coastal cities, the sandstone castles, the ancient harbors, the historical salinas. And throughout the years, what marked me the most is the striking similarities that I found along the Mediterranean coasts. The scenic landscapes and seascapes of the karstic limestone, red tiles roofs, the pine trees, the Posidonia meadows, and of course, the food, the music, and the languages that flow harmoniously together and create the wonderful heritage that is the Mediterranean. So as a result, I dedicated my career to preserve and enhance both the cultural and natural heritage of the Mediterranean Sea. Thank you for sharing that. I can absolutely relate to that snorkeling experience. Vera, you're going to take us on a journey to the Southern Mediterranean. Briefly, what perspectives will we uncover in your episodes? Well, the thing about the South Mediterranean is that it is often associated with negative events, so conflicts, poverty, pollution. Uh, what I am proud to say about the two episodes that I hosted is that they highlighted a completely different dimension. The amount of positivity and hope that surfaced in hard times, the light that shines amid the chaos that is the Mediterranean, also the persistence and dedication that both the young people and older generations were able to have despite the difficult times, and particularly in Lebanon, as we're going through a very harsh crisis, it made me feel a tiny bit more hopeful, and I'm sure the listeners will share this feeling. Amazing, thank you. So next is Anna Maria Marino, who will cover for us the Italian episode. Anna is Liaison Officer on Arctic and Oceans and Youth and Environment Europe, the largest pan-European network of youth-led environmental NGOs. Her role is to help the organization's advocacy in the context of EU and international decision-making, with participation in the recent COP26 conference and coordinating the BBNJ Youth Network. Welcome, Anna Maria. Thank you so much. You work a lot with um, youth-led organizations and initiatives, and I wondered if you could tell us why these are so important for the future of the Mediterranean. Every time that I think about how young people organize 
for environmental issues, to tackle environmental issues. I think I'm always overwhelmed by the ability of young people to form communities and to really help each other. And of course, by their passion to do things and to tackle certain issues that can sometimes bring you down and be quite overwhelming in a negative sense, but rather to tackle them with creativity and really with a, with a positive spirit. So I think that that's also what motivates me a lot in uh, continuing this journey of working with youth, for youth, and as a young person. And of course, part of uh, my passion is also given by working with the Youth Ferocious Forum, because I think that the Youth Ferocious Forum is a great opportunity for networking with other young people that have projects uh, going on, and many of them have carried out amazing projects of ocean conservation as well as ocean literacy completely dedicated to the Mediterranean Sea. So I'm really hopeful for this generation and also the generations to come. Amazing. That motivation is really inspiring and, and, and it catches on really, really easily. So tell us a bit about your episode. Where is it going to take us? So my episode that was recorded in Italian will bring us to the coasts of Italy. And more specifically, we will talk about what happens between the coast of Liguria and Emilia Romagna, where the activities of the Sustainable Food Project coordinated by Stefano Pedone through World, World Rice Association and the kitchen of the chef Mattia Borroni are located. It was a great opportunity to understand how the love for the ocean originated for both guests, which were quite singular and uh, quite different because then even though the love of the ocean and the passion for the ocean and the Mediterranean Sea, of course, uh, from both guests is very strong. And of course, this is reflected in their activities, uh, but of course they took two different ways and they expressed and realized in two different ways. Because for example, Stefano Pedone is a marine biologist and Mattia Boroni is a chef who is involved in the sustainable food project. So another important element of this episode will be to understand the role of sustainable fisheries, small-scale fisheries, and the relationship between the small-scale fishermen and the cooks and World Rice Association as well, which is an environmental NGO. So it is, I think it is very interesting to see how these three levels were brought together. And it, it was very interesting to see how innovation in the cuisine of Mattia Boroni, for example, can bring you back to tradition. And this will allow you to be more sustainable in your practices and consumption. Thanks a lot, Anna Maria. Last but not least, we have with us Pierre Strasser, who will host our French episode. Pierre works for Acteon, a French research consultancy supporting ecological and climate transition in Europe, coordinating the EU for Ocean Coalition from which this podcast series, If Oceans Could Speak, has emerged. Pierre, you and Acteon, you're based in Colmar, which is pretty far away from the sea. Yet you work on ocean literacy and on governance projects. What sparked this interest in the ocean and what keeps you motivated to champion this cause? If you listen to the old fairy tales, uh, you will hear effectively about fishes, pirates, sometimes mermaids or Atlantis. And the same applies if you 
discuss with marine scientists that will often associate working around the ocean and for the oceans to working on the coast. Now that's probably a big mistake because uh, wherever you are, in fact, you are concerned with the oceans. Let's say we here in Colmar, we eat, we use, we buy, we do many things that directly or indirectly will impact the ocean. So in fact, the oceans and the ecological transition that is required to protect it starts in Colmar and not on the sea itself. Without telling us too much, what story would you be uncovering in your episode? If you are interested to know how you can listen to the oceans with a camera, just come and listen to Greg Lecoeur. He's a photojournalist and he will share about his work, his experiences, his emotions, and his commitment to the ocean. He is particularly committed to the ocean in general, but also to the Mediterranean Sea. It's his native sea, and he will have much to tell to ensure that the Mediterranean is not forgotten. Often people speak about the Arctic, Pacific, uh, Atlantic, but the Mediterranean is still essential both for people and for biodiversity. So please come to listen to him. Thanks so much. So that's it. This is our team. And together across many languages, we will be bringing you the second season of If Oceans Could Speak. I hope you've enjoyed this short introduction to what we've got lined up. And as always, you can find us wherever you listen to your podcast on your phone, computer, or device. And every episode will be transcribed to support an inclusive listenership, like we already did in the first season of If Oceans Could Speak. We can't wait to explore the Mediterranean with our colleagues and guests, and most of all, together with our listeners from around Europe and from around the world. This podcast was brought to you by members of the EU for Ocean Coalition and was made by the If Oceans Could Speak production team, led by Anna Saito, co-organised by Penny Clark and Arne Rydell, and presented and edited by Stefan Kirschner, Vera Nun, Agnes Nora, Anna Maria Marino, Pierre Strosser, Francisco Lopez Castellón, and me, Jen Freer. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week with a new story from the Mediterranean, and this episode will be with Stefan and I in English. So, if the oceans had a voice, what would they say to you? Est-ce que l'océan te raconterait? Que te diria a ti? Que cosa te direbbe? Shukian khabar kon el bahar.